go, there's the soundbite. Not tonight, you're not on the list. Hello, I'm Connor McLoon and welcome to the You're Not On The List podcast produced for Rewind That Track. On this podcast, we interview, dive deep and take a journey into the lives of those in the music industry. Everything from backstage to onstage, we're here to chat to the people that make up the scene. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, thank you very much for checking it out. If you haven't already, can you hit that follow button on Spotify or Apple Music? And can you give us a five-star rating if you enjoy the series? My guest this week is one of the godfathers of the new wave of UK-based music. A producer who has grafted for the past 10 years since his school days and has played at the likes of Coachella, Printworks and Bassfest. He's racked up a staggering 17 million streams in 2022 and was one of the earliest signings of Crewcast. It's Scott Jenkins, aka Skepsis. During this episode, we discuss how he went from stepping into his first nightclub during Freshers to living independently off of his music in the space of three years. Yeah, so basically I recorded a mix and then literally I went round to like all the promoters' offices in towns and like basically made them listen to my CD. What happened when he had to get a three-hour Uber to play Coachella? I ended up having to go to the cash point and, you know, give the Uber driver more cash because he saw how long it was and he was like, no, I'm not going. So I was like, look, just name your price, let's go. And which artists and vocalists are on his bucket list to collab with? Obviously, I think a lot of people, they don't talk about it as much because they don't want to like seem like a fanboy or something. Yeah, but now um, we'll tick it off on the podcast, Scott. Come on, let's let's name some of them. Speak it into existence. My guest this week is without a doubt one of the biggest names in bass music, a godfather of the second generation of UK bass and bassline. He's held multiple headline tours in Australia and the UK, hit over 17 million streams in 2022, played the likes of Creamfield, Sundown, Printworks, and to be honest, has probably inspired thousands of producers in the last five years. It's Scott Jenkins, aka Skepsis. Afternoon, matey. How are you? Hi mate, how are you doing? I'm, I'm okay. doing well, man. I'm doing well. It's uh, it's brisk okay. today, no? It's brassic. It's uh, it's negative four up in here in Manchester. Um, wow. Everyone's bowling around in in big parkers and uh, hats and scarves. Uh, really? Black I, ice I feel they don't feel the cold. Well, that's that what. Yeah, that's nice. It's probably hard. Like, you do. Yeah, that is. That's the more north you go, isn't it? Like massive coats and then walking around in shorts and socks and just be yeah. like, I don't, I don't feel it. I don't feel it. But um, no, but yeah, right. it's uh, Baltic today. It is Baltic. But then I didn't realise we were just talking about this. You've recently, well, not recently, you've been in Liverpool the last. Year, so just down the road you must be uh, feeling the cold as well or is it different climate yeah. across across i don't even know what's what what you call it between manchester and liverpool <laughs> there must be a word for it like the bermuda triangle or something. Yeah. <laughs> I <don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's um no it's definitely a lot colder than london where i was before but then obviously on the plus side you know it's the air feels nicer and um yeah you know what they say about the tap water yeah week, it's a tap water up north like there's two southern people i can absolutely back it that the tap water up north is so much nicer it's different yeah and so much fresher i don't know, you know what, what goes I, into um, it i went i went to iceland in the summer yeah which it was by the way was one like one of the nicest places i've ever been to yeah and um was literally staying uh in this place called blue lagoon and it yeah. was like on volcanic rubble sort of surrounded by and um I went to reception. I was like, oh, can I get some uh, some bottles of water for the room, please? And they go, oh, no, just drink it out of the tap. And literally the <laughs> the tap water there was actually better than the bottled water because no it was you could literally, yeah, it was nuts. All the minerals um, and stuff that are just yeah, naturally coming smelled, through it and naturally in the springs. and Yeah. The, the weird thing was it actually smelled a bit funny because of, I think it was like sulfur or yeah, something. Yeah, you know, like eggy smell. If you go but to like, like naturally, yeah. it, was, it was so nice. But yeah, um, Iceland. Iceland's the one Liverpool. to go to for water. Yeah. Iceland, Liverpool, then Manchester, the three yeah. top tier qualities of water in the uh, in the Definitely world. Definitely London, yeah. Definitely London. It's a bit ropey down there. It's a bit <laughs> ropey down there. Uh, so we're recording this at the start of uh, start of December at the moment. Um, one yes. thing to sort of uh, to sort of look forward to, I suppose, for a lot of big DJs and producers will be uh, New Year's Eve um, and sort of a lot of big shows playing around in Christmas. What are your plans for New Year's Eve? Um, so New Year's Eve, we're doing, um, I've got Bass Fest, the, okay. uh, the legendary Bass Fest, which is near Sheffield, um, doing the main stage there. And then also have another gig after, I don't think it's been announced yet. So okay. we'll I can't say that, that one yet, but yeah. um, I'm also at Ministry of Sound in London 
on Christmas Eve Eve, so the okay. 23rd. Nice. So that'd be a nice little Christmas party. Nice, nice, um, nice, nice. Yeah, so that, that's the rest of the year. Um, Wicked. Yeah, looking forward to New Year's Eve. Fantastic. And um, yeah. obviously I touched on in the uh, in the intro there, I said about um, UK base and, uh, and baseline. And obviously there'll be people listening to this podcast that know exactly who you are and have followed you for time and followed you since the start. Um, and there'll be people that have obviously potentially never heard of you before because they're maybe not necessarily into that music. And it's, it, I always want to ask people sort of like, what do they like to sort of describe themselves as or define themselves as? Because obviously as people adapt over time and their music and sound changes, like what people might have thought that you played or produced or recognized yourself as originally might not be what you actually were like call yourself now or what you say now. So how would you sort of describe the music you make now or sort of how would you describe what you are now? I would say right now, I'm kind of, I'm going through a transition period and to be honest, it is quite difficult because, you know, when, when you take on a new challenge, it's often quite uncomfortable, but a, a lot of the time, the discomfort is the only way you can achieve better growth. So, I mean, obviously people know me well for, I'd say I've got very distinctive sound, like four to the floor. Um, but I've been working on a lot of like a lot of drum and bass, a lot okay. of like garage as well. So, I mean, different tempos, but both sort of more two-steppy. Yeah. Um, my next release, which might be announced by the time this goes out, cause it's coming out on the 16th, um, is actually my first drum and bass release. Okay. So Wicked. that's something different, which I'm, a, you know, I'm nervous and excited. Yeah. Um, but I'm quite proud of the track. So. Um, yeah, I'd say it's definitely a transitional period, but I've always played a mixture of things in my set anyway, like from bass to drum and bass, bit of dubstep, like obviously sing-alongs as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but no, no matter what it is, like it's definitely bassy, you know, high energy. Yeah. Um, and when you say nervous, is it because you're worried? Obviously, it's, it's a new sound for you to sort of put out officially. Like I said, you've, you've touched on it in your sets and you can mix and blend it into the, the yeah. sort of the um, the events that you play. Mm. But um, are you nervous to think sort of like, um, will fans go with this? Or are you just nervous because you're thinking, oh, shit, what, do you, what will drum and bass sort of heads, like actual artists think about this? Like what's sort of making you feel a little bit nervous around it? Yeah, I think both those things to some extent. And then also just the fact that from a technical aspect, producing a drum and bass is a lot different to anything else. And it's very hard to get it right. Yeah. So, oh, we've had a couple of people on the podcast like touch on that and say that it's sort yeah. of one of the more difficult uh, genres to sort it of really like crack. Is. Like, you know, DJing, DJing is one thing, but actually producing it is, is a whole nother like story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, more, more excited because... I feel like a lot of people that follow me, which obviously I'm grateful for, they do like that sound already. So yeah. it's not like I'm just coming out and doing something completely different. You know, then I would probably be very nervous. Yeah. Um, but it would, um, yeah, I, I feel like while it's a change in tempo, it's still got a lot of my sort of signature sounds in. So I feel like I'm still staying true to myself. Yeah. 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 And I mean, like, obviously, look, we've, we've, we've touched on this on the podcast before with other people as well saying like, you, you can't ever be wrong. Like if the artist, if you as a person want to do like a new sound or want to dabble in the new genre or anything like that, it's like, well, it's entirely up to you really. And it like the fans aren't going to be like, Oh, what's he doing that for? It's like, well, that's the same artist that you love that has got to this position. So if yeah. you want to spread out, dip your toe in new things, like try new things. Um, you yeah, can't I never be wanted wrong to like, um, I never wanted to be like pigeonholed, you know? Yeah. That's why I've always played different things in my sets over the years. Um, so yeah, now I'm looking forward to it, and um, yeah, got some different stuff coming out, like nice. planned for next year as well. So um, yeah, it's just a matter of time now, really. Nice. We'll see. Be seeing yeah. you go uh, back to back with some drum and bass artists soon, then probably in the, well, in the new year. Actually, um, it's just been announced for for warehouse projects. Actually, so maybe you can come down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is is in it's me and Turno back to back. Wicked, um, who we've also had on the podcast. Yeah, a couple I was going to say actually, well. that's yeah. the one I saw. And yeah, yeah, we got Turno. He's a very nice guy. Yes, he is, um, mate. He's fantastic, Franco. Yeah. So yeah, me and him are going back to back at Warehouse Project, which is like my first official 
um, back to back with like a drum and bass DJ. So I'm quite nervous for that. Um, for, I, I will admit I'm nervous for that because yeah. his sets are mad. Like yeah. he's like double dropping, triple dropping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I need to get down the studio and practice a bit. I, I don't mix. know if you heard the M4 podcast, but when we were talking on it, he just literally played uh, a few days before at Warehouse Project. Um, and have you you've been to to uh, Mayfield Depot before, haven't you? And you've been uh, to a couple of times. Yeah. 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 So he was playing in Concourse, which is Room Two, and it's like the one yeah. where it's sort of got the 360 stage. Yeah. I've and people that. were reaching over. Because where, like you said, double dropping, triple dropping, like high energy, people were reaching over and actually cracked the booth because it's got loads of perspex glass around the outside and like they're reaching over and going mad. Like it was, uh, yeah, it sounded I don't know wild. if you know um, Dale, the manager. Yeah, yeah, of course, Dale Gordon. Yeah, I've had him on yeah. there as well. Yeah, yeah. He, he, well. He, he was saying on Instagram like they broke the stage or something and I didn't mm. know what exactly that I thought it was just like a metaphor but no literally yeah, like the first bit of glass it, yeah. that's around the outside like I don't think it was malicious like people weren't trying to do anything no, they were just, just literally one, going yeah. wild and then uh, yeah crack the glass so yeah, yeah I mean that's a that's a that's a big that's a big first back to back and a big first drummer base set mate but yeah, absolutely no, no I will be pressure. down there for that no pressure no pressure first but, one um, in the main room of Warehouse Project That'll be Deep sick. End. Yeah, yeah. That'll be sick. But um, but I am going to hold you to that now, mate. Um, for the guest right. list. So thank you very yeah, much. Cool. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm joking. So just to, uh, just to take it all the way back to the start, mate. Like um, so I've known you. I'm trying to think back, like from when I've known you, all the way back to Bournemouth, really. Like the first time I think I met you would have been 2013 or 2014, um, when you were playing at some of the Foreverland shows. Yeah, and it probably would have been 15. 2015 then. That was when I did the first one, yeah. Right, okay. So, and um, Even so, that's like seven years ago. Yeah, seven years ago. And month. I remember you, I wasn't even at the Foreverland show um, that you were playing at because there was a night on that you actually came across to afterwards, which was at like um, uh, Bournemouth Academy. And Bedlam. I remember, you, yeah, the Bedlam one. And you had your... Um, you had like a pink football t-shirt on that you had Skepsis on the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Skepsis on the back. And I remember you literally stood in front of me and I was like, I swear that's that fucking DJ that's literally just been Did there. I see it, you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I would have like, I, I literally, I, that, I mean, wasted. like it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, 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 like everyone was fucked there. But I yeah. think it was literally for like the cloakroom or to get in or something. And then yeah. Yeah, literally that's the reason why oh, I was wow. like. Oh, wow, you know what? Like, no, oh, I didn't even know that I saw you that night. Like, obviously no disrespect. No, 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 that's all right. I mean, it was wow. seven years ago and it was like, yeah. yeah. so literally, because my mates were going to that bedlam and yeah. it was the same night I had a set. Yeah. So I played the set and then literally went straight over to yeah. bedlam after. Yeah. That was, that was a mad night that was. They, they, who was on there? It was like sub-focus. I think Cause and Effect and a couple of the others yeah, were like in room Mainu two. it was Leng, Shy right, yeah. Effects, and I think it was TC. Might, yes. Yeah, yeah, might have been. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, wow, yeah. So that was yeah about seven years ago. About seven so years we, ago. We actually, yeah, known each other a, lo- a long time. A long time, so and then bumped into that. each other sort of backstage at festivals and like at Forbidden Forest. Yeah, the one Forest I remember is that first Forbidden. Yeah, Forbidden Forest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, Brucey was there as well. You were there, uh, Salado, mm. and everyone was there as yeah, well. Like Danny Howard, yeah. and yeah, that was a good event actually. Um, but um, but yeah, known like a, a little while now, and obviously for like Lengo Lands, like we've touched on that on the podcast and stuff before. But yeah. a lot of producers, a lot of um, an active community for sort of base of for anyone listening that doesn't know what that is, is obviously a, a Facebook group uh, that started off around 2012-ish. Was it? No, no, it was um, that was actually 16. Oh, 2016. Yeah, yeah. Was yeah. it? Oh, okay, fair. April then, 2016. I right. Think okay. It was, and yeah. you were sort of one of the first. We sort of one of the first uh, activity sort of big members in it yeah so it was actually founded by a guy called john t mm. and then the first members were like admins sorry it was like mm. me bush baby mm-hmm. um who else clean shirt aka josh um and then there was a couple of others as mm. well um but yeah obviously you you've been in there from the start right yeah like roughly um, near the start like, i mean yeah. the, the first couple of years in there were legendary yeah we were like doing the um the war dubs Dub battles and stuff like that and the first lot of t-shirts and other yeah, bits the and t-shirts yeah. were flying out like yeah. in the raves um yeah so that was a facebook group we just founded and then it turned out to to be quite a big thing um i stepped down uh probably about a year later just because yeah. i had obviously a lot of other bits going on yeah um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's still active now. Um, but yeah, no, it was um, it was a, that was a, a proper good like sense of community. Yeah, and like yeah, era. I think it did help a lot of people. 
it even got to the point where it got a couple of shout outs in tunes. So I know Brucey's got a bar about it and so does K Dot. He has nice. a bar about it as well. Nice. Um so yeah, I was pretty pretty happy with that. <laughs> healthy man, healthy. So to take yeah. it back even further than sort of like when we've sort of first met and, and the like uh, the birth of Lengaland and stuff like that. What was your what was your first sort of like memories or introduction to music or live music, whether that was stuff like around the house, whether that was first raves you remember going to, whether that was a first embarrassing album that you bought? Yeah. Um so my my dad was actually a DJ, but it, this it's not actually linked to my story. Like he didn't tell me to do it. Yeah. I found my own way with it. Like he literally, I didn't even know about it two years later, but he was a DJ in the eighties. But, um, yeah. So I'd say the first, like probably like year nine or 10 in school. So like 14, 15, um, I'd say the first sort of drum and bass tracks I heard, which was probably the first sort of electronic music style was like the days of like, um, the prodigy and pendulum, mm-hmm. um, sort of around the same time. Um, and I remember the, I think the first drum and bass track I remember hearing was tarantula by yeah, um, pendulum. pendulum. And I just remember listening to it and I was just thinking, this is making me feel like mad. Yeah. Like not, not angry, but like this, the energy is like, and then probably like a year or two later, I went into like year 10, so like GCSEs. And um, I, uh, it was really random. This guy like come into our school and he was offering like DJ lessons at lunchtime. Like no free way. You would just go along to in the music department. Yeah. So me and my mate, Dave, shout out Dave. Shout out Dave. He, um, me and him went along and we like, we loved it um, to the point where we kind of, I don't know if we sort of became the favorites, but like kind of everyone else sort of fell away. And then yeah. we were just getting sort of one-to-one lessons with this guy who was teaching us how to DJ. So I, f- I fully knew how to DJ when I was like 14, 15, which is obviously That's quite early, early. Yeah. What, and yeah. what was he making you mix? Not making you mix. Like what was he teaching you to mix? Or like, what was he sort of like, was it just well, like house stuff? Like quite like. Yeah. I, it was quite loose to be honest. Um, he was, just, yeah, it was probably like a bit of house. I don't know if you remember, like around like the start of the twenty tens, like that kind of like electro sound was quite big, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, so yeah. Like Calvin Harris and yes, like, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Some more like Afrojack and that. Like, yes, so yeah, yeah. Like I remember that. the uh, like the Addicted to Bass albums. Yeah, and everything yeah. And they, they had that, their, Addicted yeah, yeah. to Bass. That was a big influence on mm-hmm. me. I think two thousand and nine. It was the one that I, the one with the grey and yellow on the front. Yes, Addicted yeah, yeah. to Bass. That was Another big. One you mean. Um, yeah, so we started doing that. And actually, at the same time, my school had just won this massive like grant from the government, and they what they'd like invested a load of money. And they just got all these iMacs in the uh, in the music department. Yeah, and they had Logic on them, which is the program I still use to this day. So it wasn't. I didn't even do music at GCSE, but um, yeah, we were learning on there. And um, I always remember, like, I always wanted to like. I was always more interested. Like if they tell us to do something, I'd always kind of go one step further. Mm-hmm. And like my teacher was kind of saying like, oh, you're, you're really interested in this, aren't you? Um, so like the, the production and the DJing started around the same time when I was in school. Um, and so then me and my friend, we started like, um, so we were saving up for decks and we started DJing at like house parties and um, also birthday parties for money. So obviously the house parties was more for fun yeah. and like clout at the time. Yeah, yeah. And the, the birthday parties was actually for money, you know, cause like when you're young, like a hundred pound is quite a lot of money Yeah. So, or however much it was. Um, so we were literally doing like little kids birthdays parties as well. Um, and yeah, that kind of, uh, continued for a bit, um, uh, saved up for my decks. Um, yeah. And then obviously got to the end of school um and i was i was like heavily into like electronic music at this point so like drum and bass i was also like a big like dubstep fan at yeah. the time of like obviously skrillex but also like scream and benga like i kind of liked all yeah, the yeah 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 of course yeah so um, what sort of year is this if you've just finished school you're 16 is this uh, like 2011 ish so 2010 actually this was probably like between 2010 2012 mm-hmm so um i remember i actually had a i actually had a t-shirt with a photo of scream's face on it it's like i you know when you're young you just like 
idolize people. Yeah, I mean, that's still probably a sick, sick T-shirt now. Have you still got it? Oh, no, I don't, you know. That would be good. I'm, I'm, sure, Hollywood rate, I'm sure Hollywood would rate it. I'm sure I know, I know rate you've it. had him on there, haven't you? No, I haven't had him on here um, oh, on this podcast. Did an with him. I did the interview. Was like, it in a cupboard or something? No, it was in a toilet. Uh, it was it. in a toilet cubicle um, like four or five years ago. I actually, I don't want, like I mentioned it on the, the, the last record we did with um, with Ghoulish, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's one of the worst, not the one of the worst things, it's one of my biggest regrets having to remove that video and take it down. Um, because, oh, yeah, to so take it down? Yeah, so he asked me to um, oh, after it had been up for two weeks. Well, he was happy with it but it was getting more traction than what I think he originally anticipated and some of it's like a 20 minute interview and there's yeah. some obviously very um, lively content in the in interview and right. so uh, it was like everyone was liking it and sharing it and commenting and being like have you seen this have you seen this have you seen this yeah, and so he was yeah. like yeah it's wicked mate but can we take it down now and I was like oh fuck shit oh, that's pain, so um, yes it's painful but yeah I did yeah it was a really good really good evening but yeah, yeah. mate like, that whole era of Scream Benga um, like um, when they were sort of playing out like shows in the US and obviously still playing like in the UK yeah. as well and obviously just as Magnetic Man had sort of disbanded a little bit so artwork wasn't in it but it was like yeah. Scream and Benga doing like I mean they did a free EP at Christmas one time I can't remember what it was called but um I remember they, Scream done some free Christmas stuff yeah like yeah. Xmas Day Swagger I think it was Screamism 7 maybe yeah. where it was like yeah, yeah I had you like, know really, your stuff you do yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah that was good yeah no I, only, I loved all the different styles of dubstep like I was really into like circus records as well yeah yeah, yeah. Dr. Um, P and like yeah, yeah yeah I remember I went to a circus records event at Coco because obviously Coco recently reopened in Camden mm. but it was shut down for years I just mm. thought it was gone I went to see Circus Records there in like 2012. I think nice. I was like very young um, and that was really cool. But yeah, so um, I went to university when I was 18 um, and it was actually to study like um, English lit and history. So I was doing music on the side, but I wasn't at the point where I had commit to like going for it really. Yeah. But then obviously I was now doing a degree that I just didn't really care about and uh, a lot of the reason I went to uni was just because my mates were going. Yeah, yeah, so of course, I that's just, all right, man. A lot of people do that, didn't they? Yeah, I didn't want to miss out on the experience. Yeah. And I had a good time. Mm. Um, and then I got to uni and I was just thinking, like, I just had this feeling inside me and I was like, I, I, wanted, I want to DJ in clubs so bad. Because, you know, I'd only just turned 18. Mm. So, like, obviously not to big myself up too much, but I just, I had that, like, hunger mm. and, like, this was when like CDs were still around more. It was like 2014. Um, but to so be fair as well, if you'd, have, if you'd have been DJing since you were like 14 or 15 and had been doing house parties and been doing birthdays, like it's a natural mm. progression to suddenly then be like, right, I'm 18 now. Let's actually get into a yeah. club to do it. So it's, yeah, it's not a bad thing at all. Yeah, because I remember I was in Freshers like in my uni club and obviously I was having a good time, but I was looking at the DJ and I was just like, I, I really want to be up there instead. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, so basically I recorded a mix. It was just quite like a commercial house mix. And then literally I went round to like all the promoters' offices in towns and like basically made them listen to my CD. Nice. And then um, I eventually got in with um, one of the student promoting companies. And when I started off, I was just doing like warm-up sets of house. Um, and I knew nothing about house at the time. So yeah. I was literally on YouTube. Like, is this Googling. like tech house or like deep yeah, house? Like, house yeah, like deep, deep house. house that sub era. That, um, yeah, 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 yeah. It was just coming out of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I started doing that and like, I was really enjoying it. I wasn't getting paid or anything. Um, I was literally just doing it for experience. Um, and then I also got like this commercial residency playing like hip hop and rap on like okay. Mondays in some okay. student club. Yeah. Um, and I met like a couple of my friends there, but um, yeah, so I was just doing those. And then I'd say probably like second year of uni, I started, actually it was end of first year, I started like SoundCloud was like massive at this time. Like mm -hmm. it was, do if you remember sort of a few years ago, SoundCloud was like huge, like it made people's careers. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so I started uploading just like these bootlegs that I'd done because around the start, I just did bootlegs really because I just, you know, it's just an easier way to kind of gain listeners and it's just kind of easier, like, templates to start on. Yeah. Um, so I was doing these bootlegs. I was literally just uploading clips to SoundCloud and they started getting a bit of um, bit of traction. And then I started talking to 3000 Bass. So mm -hmm. Alan, I'm sure you know. Yeah, Alan Bennett. Yeah, yeah. He so was one of sort yeah. of the initial people that helped to, like, kickstart the bass scene. 
the the modern day scene mm. like his page was massive then um so yeah i got a tune on there which it was just a free download but obviously i was so excited at the time yeah which one was it um so it actually, I think it was my Rhythm and Gash bootleg, which yeah, was yeah, yeah, one of yeah. the first tracks. One I of the first out. big Skepsis ones. Yeah, that was the first that. big one for me. Yeah. Um, and then I'd say slowly over the next couple of years, this was like 2015, 16, um, started getting more bookings, like yeah. just small ones around the UK, just like sort of student promoters and stuff. Um and then it got to my final year of uni and I was starting to get more regular bookings. And that was when I also um, signed with my manager and my agent probably about six months after. Yeah. Um, so I was actually considering dropping out and I only had about half a year of my course left, but I managed to kind of push through and finish my course. And I actually got two one as well, which I was very surprised nice. about. But happily. Nice. And yeah, so that kind of set me up well when I graduated, I could sort of roll straight into music because I just about got to the point where I could sort of make a full-time living off it. Yeah. And um, obviously I was living with my parents at the time, which helped me out as well. Um, so yeah. And then- That's I, a very short space of time, isn't it? So if you think about it relatively, like, so like you said there, you're, you're going through uni um, and basically from the very first day that you were in Freshers Week, where you stepped into a nightclub and were like, right, I want to be up on that deck, taking CDs round to promoters towards yeah. the, not even the fully end of uni, but the half end of like, like the halfway through your final year, you've mm. been signed. We'll touch on this in a second, obviously by Jola's crew for Crewcast. Mm. Um, you've, you've basically been in the position now where you're like, I've got enough gigs that I could survive on this, like basically from doing this. So that's quite a short space of time, like to be able to like go from first set in a nightclub to being like, wow, okay, fine. I can, I can literally like get, get by on literally just all my music production and the, and the sets. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd say when you, I haven't really thought about that, but um, so the first set I did in a club was 2014. Yeah. The first like proper booking I got off music, you know, rather than being a resident, that yeah. was like 2015. And uh, signed with Joe 2016. Yeah. So it was, a, it was probably just like three, four years from going, doing first like club residency to, yeah, full time. Yeah. That's um, rapid, but that's wicked. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, I, I guess I wasn't really thinking about what was next. I just, I was just like, in, honestly, I was just enjoying myself. Like, mm. like, I know it sounds like too cliche, but I was literally, I wasn't, I wasn't doing it for m like fame or money or whatever. I was literally just making these tracks because I loved it. And then I just like kept, kept going. And then it's kind of things slowly were go like, yeah, naturally progressing and stuff um, like that. And I think, like, no matter, you've always just got to do it for the right reasons, um, and then you'll get, you know, you'll get a lot further. Anyone who's a fan of UK-based music after 2012 will have most likely heard of Crewcast. Bringing through some of the biggest names in the scene and putting on some of the biggest shows, I wanted to chat to Scott about how he first got signed. So talk to me about Crewcast then, because there'll be people that obviously uh, that have listened to this podcast and will know who Crewcast are and will know Joe and will know sort of like their roster and what they represent. Uh, but there'll be some people that don't know. But um, so yeah. how did you and Joe originally meet? And then how did you sort of get signed to Crewcast? Um, so Joe emailed me like probably like start of 2016. He actually worked for a different company. Um I just assumed it was like a scam email, you know, because if you just saw some random person email you, like, I want to sign you, just like, oh, spam. Yeah. <laughs> but so I rang him and, um, yeah, I mean, to this day, we've never signed like an official contract. It's just a verbal agreement. Oh, really? So okay. It makes things a lot easier, you yeah. know, and it also increases that sort of bond of trust as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because, yeah, we've literally, I mean, next year we will have, uh, he would have been my manager for seven years and I, my only manager. Yeah. So we've kind of been on a journey together because after I sort of signed with him, it was about six months later, he basically said to me, I'm going to break off and start my own independent thing. Do you want to come? Yeah. So I was like, okay, cool. So that was Crewcast. Um, and it was just me and him. That was the like end of 2016. And then sort of slowly started picking up more people 
and obviously along the way people have come people have gone mm-hmm. um kind of like a football club yeah like, yeah there's like signings in and out yeah like, I've, I've seen quite like quite a lot of change throughout the years yeah um i mean the only sort of people still there is probably me and darksy yeah because even like window kid he didn't really start doing crew cast stuff for like a couple of years later mm-hmm. um but yeah no it's like it's a record label management events kind of umbrella yeah um yeah and uh it's it's like a good it's a good sense of community as well because like most of the time all the guys that do the shows probably say there's probably like seven eight of us regular um you know it's nice to like spend time with them and like we all get along quite well for the most part so you know touring can get a bit lonely sometimes so like say obviously not moaning about like going to croatia or somewhere when it's hot yeah but you know being over there with people that you know it makes a big difference like it's sometimes if you're traveling on your own it can be a bit like draining yeah just having a laugh with mates isn't it that's what it is then like it makes you feel your... less like a task yeah, yeah like it's it's yeah and even like we did it we did an australia tour um and it all the traveling and stuff it wasn't too bad because you know where there's more people the the morale was a bit higher as well like yeah. even if we were so tired or hung over we'd just be like laughing about it yeah but, um yeah but yeah so it's been a few years now um and yeah obviously with crewcast it's kind of like a a a joint journey because obviously i've had my journey and then joe's had his journey um you know selling that warehouse project and all that stuff so it's it's good for him as well he's very good business minded which is obviously why i'm still with him yeah absolutely (laughs) seven years like like you said a long time and and which is great and like you said it is a bit of a family vibe things change every year you know so Mm. it's um you see a lot what do you think the benefit is and you've touched on a couple of points there but what do you think sort of the benefit is of having like a um being signed to a label and having like a manager um like for because there'll be some artists or djs or producers listening that aren't in the opportunity or that haven't had that opportunity yet or not might not realize sort of some of the perks that you might actually be like well actually a lot of people don't think about this but this is alleviated or this is made easier or like this is actually a bit more complicated yeah i think a lot of a lot of kind of um, DJs producers who are starting out, they automatically assume that you need a manager or an agent, and once you get one, you've kind of made it, you know. Mm. But the reality is, um, there's a lot of shit people out there, like shit managers and agents, that they're not really going to help you, mm. but they're going to take a percentage of your wage, so obviously it's nice to have people working with you but also the other thing to think about is at the end of the day they joe and max obviously max is my booking agent it feels like i work for them but they actually work for me Mm. so you have to make sure that you've got the right people around you yeah um and uh and yeah i'd say you know i would only think about getting one or like, you know, a manager's a bit different, but in terms of a booking agent, mm. I think only to the point where you can't manage things yourself anymore. You know, like you're struggling to keep up with like your diary and everything going on. And, you know, you might have a day job as well. And yeah. um, that makes it a bit more tough. Um, so, yeah, but um, it, it does help to have a manager. Obviously, Joe and a couple of other people, they kind of help with my sort of mundane, like day-to-day tasks. And the admin type stuff. bits, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, um, you know, all us uh, superstar DJs, we have to keep our receipts for the tax man. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, you don't want that tax man. Mondays, Mondays is, is receipts days. Nice. Um, Get so, those expenses through. Yeah, You exactly. had how many packs of jelly beans on the train back, Scott? How many? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I put it all on business. Yeah. <laughs> it would be questionable to see. But yeah, I'm not going to talk about that too much. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's, um, yeah. Nice. Um, what I was going to say is, is as well, like, uh, and feel free to be as open and honest as you want about this, but it's just as on, on a point you mentioned earlier, when you said you sort of got into the position where you uh, didn't have to have a day job anymore, I think that really interests a lot of people about being um, when they know 
it's the right time to give up their day job or sorry, not give up their day job, but when they're in the actual right position to do it. Yeah. Um, and other people, it depends on circumstances. Like it depends where you live, like what your rent's like, like what your background's like. You're like, you already might yeah, have savings like up, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, stuff like that. So what made it the right time for you? Like, how did you know personally? Like, okay, cool. You know what? I, I mean, did you, what was your day job? What was your sort of day job before? If you don't mind me asking, like, did you ever? Well, to be honest, I've had like, you know, various sort of small jobs, but yeah. I was a student. So, yeah. so when straight I from didn't student really, to... Yeah, and, and, you know, I was doing some, some like, DJing work for, like, small money. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it, luckily it got to the point where I, I graduated and I just kind of saw that I could, um, you know, it was like a regular income. That, mm. that was okay. Um, I mean, a year before that, I actually did an internship in London at, like, this... Um, finance company it was actually quite a big thing um and that was like a, a proper nine to five up in london yeah and it was hard obviously it's very hard when you work and then you have to come home and make time to produce and stuff as well so i kind of went through that for a period as well um so i know obviously how hard it can be but it's been nice because like obviously i have a lot of people on my facebook and twitter and stuff and you know, time to time you see someone being like, oh, you know, just quit my day job, which is great to see. But yeah, it's um, it's definitely tough up to up to that point. Yeah. So you did manage to literally, like I said, it's very rare for people, but you got into that position where you were a student at uni. And like we said, because it happened so quickly where you were from uni, you didn't necessarily even have to sort of like have the have the day job after uni um, and could sort of afford to like live based on like the music and the production and the tour. And yeah. The, like I, obviously I had wicked. like small jobs before uni, like yeah. I um, my first job was actually in a garden centre. Big up, so, big up. Yeah. And this time of year always gives me PTSD because <laughs> the amount of Christmas trees that we had to sell was nuts. That was the worst time of the year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so garden centre. I nice. mean, um, my dad's an electrician as well. Yeah. Um, which is, 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 is good. He does well, but it's it's like, you know, it's proper graft. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I know that I'm not cut out for that. I've yeah. done like days on site and it's tough stuff. Yeah. Um, but he was he was always like, he would almost say when I was younger, like, oh, you need to work hard, you know, so you don't, you don't, almost don't have to do this. Yeah. Um, so I always kind of had that motivation. Did they ever, um, um, I like asking people this because you get a mixed response where mm. depending on people's parents, were they ever sort of at any point like, oh, Scott, like, can you concentrate on your course? Or like, can you stop messing about with this music stuff? Or can you stop doing this? Or were they actually like, go on, son, like, I think, do it. I think uh, I probably like, didn't tell them a lot of what was happening and you know because i was living away from home yeah they didn't really know yeah but i started telling them about these gigs i was doing i'm sure they were a bit skeptical at first you know because they don't they don't come from creative backgrounds either you know they're quite traditional so i think yeah they were probably a little bit questioning it at first but because by the time i got back from uni I was already playing like fairly decent gigs. I mm. think I must have brought them along to one and they were like, oh, okay, this is actually quite big. Yeah. It's so, not, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I graduated uni in July and then the following March, the first gig I actually brought them to was my first time doing print works. Oh, bloody hell. So they, <laughs> and like, oh, I need to send you this video. Yeah. Um, like we brought them out on stage and obviously they were like, so like, what the hell's going on yeah but um yeah i mean when i was younger when we were doing these house parties there were certain times where i got in big trouble because we would hire out these huge speakers and obviously at this time i'd have to get my parents to drive me around yeah so there was times like where we'd go and like pick up these huge speakers and they were like not impressed like go to these like village halls or like people's houses and then more often than not it would end up getting like shut down by police or, police and like, stuff, yeah. or something um, so yeah, there's definitely times where I've been in the doghouse, but, uh, you know, I'd like to think now that, um, they're, they're happy about it paying off. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm sure they are, mate. Like we said, we got a, a lot of accolades at the start. We were talking there about the likes of, uh, the different festivals and stuff you played like, um, Creamfields and Printworks and Sundown yeah, and Hideout and stuff like, like that. Plus times now, so. Yeah. So they know what the crack is. Yeah, they know what the crack yeah. is. They know what it is. Are they into the music at all? They like it live. 
um yeah they like it live um i mean my mum always gets me on her spotify because she like plays the tracks nice she, she gets she gets so like excited when she sees me on her page but then i'm like mum that's literally been recommended <laughs> <laughs> you thought i was on like the spotify homepage. <laughs> you know like release radar. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> yeah, jokes big up mums, oh bless her well at least they're yeah at least they're fans of the world no, they've always been quite good with it which is nice and like i said my dad used to be a dj yeah um, you know um, so he appreciates yeah, they've, they've, they've been good with it so that's nice fantastic and um just as someone that has toured around the uk around the world um which city is a bit of a dark horse for the crowd being absolutely like a zoo and wild but not actually you suspecting it like where's got the best crowds um actually well i know you said uk but like um prague in the czech republic yeah it's always kind of mad when i go there okay and it's also a mixture of czech natives and people on holiday because obviously yeah. prague is such a like i remember last time i played there probably about two months ago there were so many english people about i thought Stag-do. i was in like Stag-do manchester city, isn't or it? something yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 it was um it was really good and i really like prague nice. um in terms of a dark horse um i'd say a recent one that surprised me was we had a crew cast gig in leicester yeah and obviously no disrespect to anyone from leicester but Every gig I'd played there was was decent, but it was never like jumping, you know, like Manchester or Nottingham mm-hmm. or somewhere. But we did this big club called Republic in Leicester, and it was mental. So looking forward to getting back nice. to Leicester soon. Hopefully. Nice, nice, nice. You can take a second to think about this if you need to. What's uh, what's one of the weirdest things that you've ever seen like in a rave that sort of sticks out in your mind where you're like what's happening here or like what is going on here the one that always sticks in my mind is a few years ago i it was my first ever gig in nottingham this is like early days when i was still at uni Mm. so i've got the train up there i'm playing in this little place called bar 11 and it the crowd was going nuts this was like sort of when baseline was coming back around again and like everyone was so rowdy. Mm. Um, and literally before I was about to go on, they were sort of like moshing all over the place, like proper going mad. And um, they sort of hit into the booth and one of the CDJs malfunctioned. Mm. And for some reason, the club did not have a spare. So I was literally, I had one deck. I've heard about this story, actually. I think I've heard about you know this what? story. I might have told you this story last time. No, well, that was the one thing that always sticks with me. About, yeah, like, having like, to rewind every single like, weren't you having to like rewind the yeah. track? And didn't you have an MC and stuff? Like, so, yeah, literally, bruh, bruh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then having to yeah, like rewind every no time. No way, I must have told you because it was probably a lot more recent last time. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, and then um, didn't yeah, you say that like, the crowd was so fucked that they didn't even? Honestly, no realize. one noticed. Yeah, like, I was outside afterwards. I was fuming, and like no one cared. No so one cared. Like, no, no one cared. That's fun. right. You got away with it. You got away with it. That's yeah, right. no. Nice. That was a, yeah. that was good. And on the flip side to that, mate, like we said at the start, you've got a lot of a lot of huge accolades. Like, so what is it? Seven over seventeen million streams in twenty twenty two this year. Um, worked like obviously you've got albums out. You've had headline shows, um, in Australia and the UK. Like, what's what's been your proudest moment of your career so far that sticks out to you? Um. Yeah, I mean, I I was really happy with the, obviously I know, you know, Spotify wrapped it, it is a bit of like a dick measuring contest. Um, But to be honest, you know, and people have varying opinions on Spotify paying the artists and whatnot, Mm -hmm. you know, but um, I think it's nice, you know, for people to sort of showcase their, um, their sort of accolades and how far they've come, you know, that year, I think it's cool. Mm. Um, obviously there's always the danger of, um, you know, you might get a bit down if you've not, not sort of done as well, but I feel like the best thing to do is just compare it to your former self and just try and do better than you have before. Mm. Um, but yeah, literally, I think 22, 2022, um, was like seven or eight mil and this year was 17. So, I didn't. I, I knew it would be more because mm. um, my track with Tier Seven Freak that went quite viral this year. So I had an idea it was going to be more. Yeah. But I was really, really happy with that. And um, yeah, it's, I think it's been increasing every year since. Obviously, I know Spotify's got more listeners as well, which is good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I was. Um, but in terms of proudest, um, it's a hard one. Um, obviously. I just, yeah, I do feel grateful every time I do something new. Um, 
done a few quite mad gigs. I think one that always sticks out to me is when I did Coachella. Yeah. That, um, I mean, sometimes it was, I just think like I actually did that. What the hell? Yeah. So Coachella, obviously probably one of the biggest US festivals. And uh, for anyone listening that obviously doesn't, there'll be some people listening that don't know what it is, but obviously oh, there yeah, is yeah, like sorry. a, yeah, Coachella, one of the biggest US festivals um, every year. Um, and for you, so who went out there? Yourself went out there and then. Yeah, the weird, the, the, yeah. I mean, in terms of population, it's not the biggest, but it's just very like legendary. Mm. Not exactly sure why. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a mental experience. I actually went on my own. Um, and I, I, I booked to stay in LA and, um, I didn't realize it was so far away and I had to get like a, a two, three hour Uber and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause I, I literally had no other way of getting there. Yeah. I hadn't planned it. I thought it was in LA. Yeah. And, um, how much is to, a three hour Uber just out of interest? I had to, well, I can't remember and I'm glad, but I had to, <laughs> you know, at that point I just did not care. I had yeah. to get there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I ended up having to go to the cash point and, you know, give the Uber driver more cash cause he saw how long it was and he was like, no, I'm not going. So I was like, look, just name your price. Let's go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Coachella, that was nuts. Uh, what's, um, what's something that you'd like to tick off the career list, the career bucket list that you haven't yet achieved? Obviously we've got a lot of stuff that we have named, but what's something that you want to not necessarily even achieve next year, but just like, you know, going forward, you're like, right, I want to set this, um, up in the ether so I can sort of achieve it. There's certain, I, I'd say it's more like certain artists that I would love to work with as well. And like, obviously I think a lot of people, they don't talk about it as much because they don't want to like seem like a fanboy or something. Yeah, but, but now um, we'll take it off on the podcast, Scott. Come on, let's, let's name some yeah, of them. speak it into existence. It's more like certain vocalists that I'd love to work with. Okay. Um, so like Becky Hill, for example, yeah. obviously she's, she's basically, well, she is a pop star, like, but I do know that she loves drum and bass. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's always the chance there. I think, um, another vocalist that I love is Aluna George. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, yeah. I think she's so talented. Um, so yeah, I'd love to work with her in terms of collabs, obviously chase and status, mm -hmm. um, you know, got to aim big, probably some American guys as well. Um, yeah. And I'd, uh, yeah, there's uh, certain venues I'd love to sort of headline myself as well. Go on, um, let's name them. Let's get it into existence. Well, I'd love to do, obviously I've done print works yep. and it is closing down, but I'd love to do like a print works show myself, mm -hmm. you know, kind of just like. Well, they've got that new thing. one, the, the Beams. Have you seen the Beams, which is yeah, like the new Beams one? Yeah, looks, looks It looks really good, actually. And actually, there's a new space that's coming next year. Mm -hmm. um, I think it already might be open. Um, it's called Dockyards. It looks mad. It looks like a, a war zone map. It's like, it's on the, <laughs> it's on the Thames. It's like some like abandoned, like yeah. factories. Um, and there's some plans there next year. So nice. that's going to be fun. Nice. Wicked. Yeah. Okay. So we've got some vocalists that you're going to be working with there. We've got some venues that we're going to be working with and we've got some uh, artists that you're going to be working with. So there's, yeah. there's 10, 10 potentially on the list there that you can, uh, oh goodness, that you okay. can tick off. Um, there's no timeline on it. There's no timeline on it. So it's, uh, so it's, um, so yeah, so it's, it's, fi it's fine for that. Like, we'll probably uh, speak again in like four years. Yeah. And, and hopefully you could want to tick some of them off. Hopefully yes. you to tick some of them off. Exactly. Um, what's one piece of advice that you'd give to, cause like I said, in the intro, I would say that, like you said, you were very influent. Well, you are very influential in UK base. Um, but especially as one of the sort of the bigger names to come out right at the start in the second wave, like we said, Lengoland when it was a, a huge thing and everything that's gone on from there like we said crew cast obviously now how popular that is the likes of like you said there you dark sea window kid brucey like zero like kajama like all of the big like bass names um what's some advice that you would give to not even necessarily bass producers but just people that want to produce or people that want to dj or people that want to get into the music industry potentially when it is a difficult time like we see venues shutting down now we see obviously cost of living crisis going up we see like nightclubs and nights having to dissolve and stuff like that so what advice would you personally give um as someone that has been in the industry for sort of like the last eight nine years has been able to make a career out of it and has been able to sort of fund themselves and be able to like expand like you said play coachella yeah. play all these festivals play the likes of hideout festival um like what would you uh what would you sort of give advice would you give yeah well i kind of yeah i mean first of all I wouldn't be too hard on yourself because at, regardless of where you are, 
it is uh, got to be real. It's a tough time at the moment because, you know, there's many things going on that have affected uh, the live music scene, music scene, um, you know, the cost of living increase, um, the pandemic, lots of things. Um, obviously, like you said, this has led to a lot of nights dissolving, a lot of clubs shutting down. It's sad. And I think to myself, like, the way that I kind of started was doing a lot of these smaller shows with these sort of independent promoters. Mm. And it's such a risk now financially to do something like that, even down to like the electricity bills in the clubs and stuff Mm. that you just don't really get that anymore. The smaller events, which are so pivotal, they're kind of like grassroots, Mm. you know, you've got all these big companies running these huge multi-bill events. And I think, where people are kind of almost going out less as well, they are more picky with what events they go to. Alongside this, places like Warehouse Project, Printworks, people want to go for like the experiences. Mm -hmm. And like, I think TikTok plays into that a lot because like I see literally TikToks about Warehouse Project all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is good. Shows. It's wicked. It is amazing. Yeah, it um, can be a double-edged sword because, like, uh, obviously, it does look wicked and and oh, they, well, they, well I, I don't want to interrupt your rice, but it's just my brought me on something right. there as as well. What do you feel like? Because it's a double-edged sword for this. I was going to say, how do you feel about? phones in the rave and phones in the dance like we've had people discussing it from both sides of the section obviously it's great for advertising it's great for social media it yeah. is a, like you said you'll you'll be on social media and if people are taking videos or photos of your set and if they're taking photos of the venue and stuff like that that's getting shared out free advertising which obviously hopefully will generate more hype and stuff like yeah. that do you feel like it ever interrupts or takes away from the energy that you want to bring to a show i think it's a hard one because i'm <laughs> Obviously, every every time you see a, a live clip from a show mm. and there's phones out, someone will be like, oh, people not living in the moment, mm. you know? But I think, you know, first of all, like you said, it's good promo. Um, literally, you've got people like HeadX who are literally killing it mm. from the sort of hype that they've built on, on TikTok and, you know, and props to him because, like, that's incredible. Um but also, end of the day, you know, people have paid money to be there. They can also do what they want. Mm. So as long as you're not sort of disrupting the DJ, because one thing is, it is annoying when people are asking you to, like, take videos on the phones. That does happen. <laughs> um, I don't mind a couple. And more recently, yeah. B-reels as well. Yeah. I don't, honestly, Mid-set. I don't mind a couple. Yeah. Mid-set. But when you, when, when you do it for someone yeah. and everyone else sees it and they want to get yeah, it yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so I'd say that phones do disrupt the rave uh, to some degree. Yeah. But I don't think that they're a, a problem as much as like, you know, people make it out to be. I think a lot of people just like moaning. Yeah. Um, and obviously, like you said, for us artists, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a good boost if you get a, a, a sort of crowd video that go that gets that goes viral yeah man. Viral i mean obviously moment. i work in social media normally so i'm looking yeah. at it from both sides and thinking of it of promotion and tools and, and interactions um a weird yeah. question how many people is too many people in the booth depends on the booth <laughs> size to be honest like do you know what though having a lot of people in the booth um is amazing if they're not like being annoying yeah. or spilling drinks or whatever like it can really give it a sort of boiler room vibe if it's the right people yeah and i don't mind if it's crowded to be fair more often than not these days um i do have a more empty booth yeah but, um like i'd say probably a few years ago when i was partying a lot more I definitely would have a lot of people in there yeah um but yeah i remember once i played at bass fest once outside in this tent and um I think the security guard must have gone on a break or something. And literally all these people started getting up on stage and I didn't even clock, but then it just looked wicked in like the photos. Yeah. Like, it was like a long line of people behind me and it made it more of a vibe. Nice. So I think it can go both ways. Yeah. Um, 
that how long is a piece of string it's true it's true yeah yeah it does depend on that it does depend on the size of the booth well, the size of the booth it's how you use it nice there we go <laughs> there we go there's the sound bite there's the yeah. sound bite um so obviously um you play a lot of uh, uk shows and we play like uh, you play headline shows and stuff like that as well but festivals are a big thing in the uk and around the world and mm. especially now that we're sort of two years out of lockdown and um, festivals are a big thing that people look forward to in the summer and it's one of the big things they look forward to um, you're obviously playing like the likes of like Hideout Festival uh, next year and a couple of other festivals. What do you think the sort of the difference is between a festival crowd and sort of like a club crowd? Um, honestly, I prefer playing at festivals more just because right. like um, I'd say overall, you know, the weather, um, it, it, it probably is a bit more of a laid back vibe, to be honest, you know, because it's a long day for people as well. Hmm. Um but yeah, there's a. I'd say obviously clubs is more like that sort of dark. The energy can obviously be more intense in a good way. Um, but I've always I've always loved festivals. Like I used to go to a lot of festivals when I was younger. Um, there was like a few festivals um, that I kind of went to um, as a punter, and then obviously when you come back and play at them, that's always a mad a mad moment. Like. Um, Reading Fest, that was the first festival I went to when I was like 17. First, Me too, like which year? camping festival, I'd say. Which year? Uh, 2014. Uh, uh, who was headlining that? I think I was <laughs> Arctic there. Monkeys. Yeah, 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 I was there. I was you there. were there? Yeah, I was there. Yes. So um, then obviously we came back and did it five years later in the dance tent, mm -hmm. which was like a, it's a, it's a nice full circle moment. Um. But yeah, no, I, um, I'm, I, I do love a good festival in the sun. What music would people be surprised that Skepsis is listening to or likes that you might not have uh, ever shared before publicly? <laughs> well, if you saw my, my Spotify wraps as in my, my listener one. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going actually... oh, well, to have to ask you now what's, what's <laughs> on it. You can, be, you can be honest or you can be like, I don't want to share it if you don't want to. Do you know what? I actually listen to so much like, uk rap and okay. like hip-hop that's mostly to be honest because i hear so much like heavy dance music in the studio and the club mm -hmm. i don't actually listen to as much um yeah I've, i mean to be honest i've always found it strange when people just listen to like one genre or like Me too. it's like i've got a friend he like he only listens to drum and bass like nothing else and mm. i'm like mate don't you just want to like expand a bit mm. but um yeah like mostly uk rap um I do like a lot of like really chilled out music though, like jazz and stuff as well. Okay. Um, and I find that when you listen to a wider variety of music, it helps to increase your productivity because mm. there's been times where I've gone through like really bad writer's blocks and I've not been able to do anything. Um, and I just start putting on like random radio stations in the car, like seventies or something. And mm -hmm. it would just, it's nice to, to open your mind a bit. Mm. Um, and then the other thing that I would do is I would just I booked to stay in this like shepherd's hut. It was like this little basically caravan in the middle of the forest yeah. somewhere on Airbnb. Yeah, yeah. And I went away there for a few days and I turned my phone off and it was really, really good, I felt. Just like um, a mental like, reset, like taking yeah, away exactly. so, yeah, like a, a, a blackout on social media. A Apart blackout from people technology. probably thought I'd been murdered. But, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, last location in the forest. But um, no, that was that was nice. So yeah, it, you know, creativity, it comes in, it comes in waves. Like, yeah. You can't always sit down and force something. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, like you said, listening to an eclectic taste. And like you said, you can draw on bits and pieces there. Would you think you'd ever do like a, you were talking about vocalists and talking about um, uh, having different collabs there. Would you have a collab with anyone that's on like a UK rap or drill um, sort of like vibe, you know, like skin on skin, um, the different refixes yeah. that he does and stuff like that with the um, with the sort of like techno, but with the, the drill beats on top and with the UK rap yeah, like vocals them. on top. But yeah, unreal sets, like really good boiler rooms, really good energy. Is that something you could potentially see in the future? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I make a lot of like, I make a lot of beats. Um, well, actually I used to more, but I make a lot of like... Um, rap and like drill beats um so i've been in touch with like rappers before i've never met like i had a proper song go out with one mm. um but i did i made a, a grime beat well it's actually brucey's track called heater mm -hmm. and it's got dwe on it yeah yeah and um i produced that obviously my name's not on it 
but um that yeah so that was quite mad to hear like d double spitting on my beat yeah that was cool. um but yeah i definitely would would be up for um for working with some more people nice love that nice wicked mate Right, Scott, that's been an absolute pleasure. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to, uh, to jump right. on and, uh, and chat to us today. Like, it's really thank interesting to obviously hear about, uh, hear about your roots into the industry, uh, your first sets, how you worked your way through uni and obviously managed to get into a great position where you could come out the other side and like, right, mm. let's hit the ground running. Let's get into shows. Let's get into signings, crew and cast. you know what as well? Like, I feel like, obviously, I've, I've tried to kind of condense it. So a lot of it, it probably just sounds like, oh, well, like, how do you do that then? Like, you know, a lot of it, but I honestly think like, you know, you have to get a bit of luck as well. Like, and you can actually create your own luck by, um, sort of working smart, not just hard, but smart as mm. well. So obviously there was times where I probably caught a lucky break as well, mm -hmm. but yeah, you just, um, you just have to kind of believe in yourself and your keep your head down. Um, you know, be, be polite as well. I think that's a, that's an important thing. Like, just have basic manners, I'd say, like, because, um, you know, you never, people remember stuff. Yeah, they do then. actually, like, it's, it's a good point to sort of finish on is like, I've, like I said, we've met each other backstage and I've met you and stuff before. You haven't got an ego. You're not rude. You're, uh, you're like, you're well oh, managed. Thanks, that's nice. No, yeah, no, no, no. You, you, uh, you, like, there are a lot of people, obviously, that sort of like, I'm not fucking speaking to you or like, you or like, or, or won't speak to you or won't give you the time of day unless they think they're going to get something out of it. Yeah, it's but, mad, um, that, isn't it? But you are, you are sort of a, uh, yeah, you haven't got an ego at all. Yeah, it's oh. a, it's a, yeah, it's, it's 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 a good thing, and it's a good thing for people to listen to and realise. Turns off the like, camera, yeah. Skepticism, yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot to send the mic off. <laughs> but yeah, right, it's so right. I appreciate that, bro. Thank yeah. you. No, it's a, it's a pleasure, mate. So yeah, thank you for jumping on, mate, and it's been wicked. Yeah. We'll have to have another chat in in a couple of years. Well, not a couple of years. I'm holding you still to that warehouse project. Uh, whenever you're doing it, I've got to come yes. and see the turno back to back skepticism. End of January. End of January, I'll, is I'll it? You, yeah, okay, yeah. beautiful. Thank you very much. Yeah. Big ups. Listen, mate, I've told you once, I've told you twice. You're not on the list. All right, all right.